Welcome to the Camerosity Podcast, the first ever open source film photography podcast. I am your host, Mike Ekman, and like last week, the call-in lines are open for anyone to pop in. Will it just be Anthony, Theo, and myself talking amongst ourselves, or will we have some guests? Nobody knows. With me tonight from Gainesville, Florida, and owner of Volta Coffee, Anthony Rue. Hey, Anthony. Hey, Mike. Hey, Theo. And from a place where tomorrow is today, Theo Panagopoulos. How you doing, Theo? Right there, all from the future. Looking forward to finding out who's going to be on the line today. Yeah, me too. All right, hey guys. Um, so we have uh, some special guests with us already. Mr. Gabe, Gabe Sachs and Jeff Greenstein uh, from the I Dream of Cameras podcast. Hey guys. Hello, hello. Good evening. All Good right. evening. And then uh, just popping in right now is, is Nick Lyle. Uh, Nick, I saw, had some comments on, on last week's episode. So he's an avid photographer. Um, I've seen a lot of uh, some large format work from you, Nick. All right, well, welcome, guys. Uh, we just got started. This is episode six. Um, I know um, Gabe and, and Jeff, you guys do uh, your own podcast. This is our Camerosity podcast. Um, you know, we, we do this, this call-in feature uh, where, you know, basically anybody can just join in. You know, I post out the Zoom link. So uh, I feel like awesome. that kind of differentiates us from, from other ones out there. You know, there's there's plenty of excellent film photography podcasts out there in the world. But, you know, I wanted to do something a little different. Um, so, you know, welcome. I don't know if you guys had anything you wanted to talk about, but, uh, you know, I guess I'll just uh, throw the mic out for anybody who wants to start. Well, I in particular wanted to ask Jeff on here because I need reinforcements because this oh. week on one of the Facebook vintage camera groups, I posted a photo of my Minox B and oh, I was not assaulted, but I was kind of overtaken by people that are like, it's a toy. It's junk. It's you a never, toy. You'll it's never a toy. get a good picture out of that camera. Why would anybody have a Minox? Why would anybody want one, much less five of them? And the coolest cases ever, seriously. Absolutely. For, any, for, anyone, for anyone actually uh, listening, Jeff... <laughs> For anyone listening, Jeff literally jumped out of his seat and ran and grabbed a whole bunch of them to bring to the camera. Within three seconds, he had a, a two fistfuls of Minoxes. I, I think that there's uh, a, a Latvian in his autobiography. I have everything. Okay. You want some reinforcement? I They're want the some reinforcement. camera ever. What, you have a B, right? I've got, I've got a B. I've got a C. I've got an MX. And then I've got all the 35s. <laughs> Oh, wow. okay. okay I am awesome. just getting to know the Minox 35s because Gabe gave me Gabe gave me two of them. Uh, my experience with the Minox starts this camera, a C, mm -hmm. belonged to my father. This was the camera that my dad took all the snapshots of us growing up with. Hey, hey, there you go, brothers in Minox. Um, all the snapshots of us growing up were taken with this camera. He had it on a little belt loop, you know, a little <laughs> attachment. He was a bit of a gearhead, I guess. And I was always fascinated with it. I didn't even know it was the James Bond spy camera, right? And he used to send it off to a lab in New York City to get the film processed and stuff. And I always found it fascinating. And I started using it again when Blue Moon Camera started slitting and distributing the film because I'm not cool like you guys. I don't slit my own film, okay? Uh, so I started shooting again and I loved the results I was getting. It's very different, which I can talk about in a second, but I will just follow up by saying that the C was followed by a B, which was followed by 
an LX, which was followed by a BL. And finally, the one that all of us want, the Riga. Oh my God, it's so beautiful. <laughs> if you've never the held Riga, one. Yeah, just for those who are not deep in the weeds of Minox the way I am, this is the original model. It has a stainless steel case instead of an aluminum case. It weighs a lot more. It's extraordinary. I mean, beautiful. It's like, it's like, it's like holding a, a Rolex. I mean, it is very truly, much so. Uh, just this precise, heavy, massive yeah. piece of equipment. And for yeah. anybody listening, you know, we don't use the video for the podcast, but for anybody listening, as Jeff recited every one of those models, he was flinging it up like in front of the camera. <laughs> so he was, that was, that was more like a roll call of anything. And um, for anybody who's not used to looking at these cameras, they would be, you could fit one or two of them in a Mars bars wrapper. Yeah. yeah. yeah they look crazy. like, I mean, this could easily be, be mistaken for a cigarette lighter. It's so, about the size of like a Zippo lighter. So, They're you know, incredible. To, I mean, I have to admit, you know, that is one subset of cameras that I have not gotten into at all. Like I have very, very little experience with those cameras. And you always see on eBay people selling those Japanese hit cameras, those toys, and yeah. calling yeah. them spy cameras when, yeah. when in reality, no spy ever touched any of those things. But <laughs> were, were the Minoxes like truly used like, you know, as clandestine, you know, photography and uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. So how hard is yeah. it? Like, you know, you see in like the James Bond movies, like they pulled out of their pocket and they're taking pictures in a book. Like, is right. that the realistic way that they were used? Yes. This is this, one of the many super cool things about this camera. You see yep. they, have the me- they have a chain, right? This is the measuring chain. That's eight inches, 10 inches, 12 inches. You can use this to measure the distance from your lens to the document you're photographing before you run out one step ahead of a sexy Russian spy. <laughs> Okay. So there's little That's nubs exactly on what, the chain, little exactly. nubs or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little, yeah there are little, there are little gold nubs on the gotcha. chain. Gotcha. Okay. This is the thing. Okay, the lenses are really high quality glass. They're fixed at f three point five, so your control over exposure is all shutter speed. But it's really good glass. The thing, and Gabe and I talked about this a little bit in a previous episode, because you're dealing with a nine point five millimeter negative. Okay, so imagine something that is roughly the size of like. Super 8 film, uh, teeny tiny. Yeah, the size of your pinky nail. That's a good approximation. Mike just held, held up his finger. You have to compose very differently. You can't look for lots and lots of detail in shot. You can't look for, you really need to think about strong graphic images in your photograph. And I find that my most successful Minox photographs are either portraits. It's a good portrait camera, believe it or not. Absolutely. But, but anything with nuance, or delicacy just will not work. The lens doesn't resolve that extremely. So you really have to think in terms of like, you know, like a city, a cityscape would be great because that's lots of like blocky things and windows, you know, uh, but you know, you can't photograph an NFL game from the stands with a Minox, <laughs> it will look like nothing. You could try. So it, it forces a different sort of shooting discipline on you. And I think that is what's fun about it. It is also the reason that people dismiss them as toys because they are not gonna, you, you can't be Ansel Adams with a Minox. So I think they're fun in that they shift my gaze and shift the way I shoot, but it's not an all purpose camera. It's just a, but it's on you all the time in a way that maybe even your Olympus 35 RC might not be. Okay, I've monologued enough. Well, uh, well, the other thing about it, you were asking about it as a spy camera. You can take that eight-inch focus chain and take a picture of a book with six-point text 
And when you scan it, you can read it as clear really? as if it were a Xerox sure. copy. Oh, that's amazing. You know? yeah. And there, there are stories of like the, the, it wasn't Pollard, but it was one of the last great spy cases cracked in the US. And the guy had like, do you remember how many bees he wore out? He wore out like 15 yeah. bees because he took millions of pages of documents wow. uh, with, the, with the camera. So, I mean, it's a legit spy camera. Uh, maybe yeah. the C was big, but the C also had, you know, also had a, a battery driven automatic aperture. Um, yeah. You know, but the, the cameras, they're, they're legit. As long as you don't try to shoot it like a camera, but you shoot it like a, like a, like a Minox, then yes. you get this other thing out of it that it's just, sometimes I, I see some of the shots that I've taken and it's just kind of shocking. And then for me, I, you know, I'm kind of a do it yourself or let's, you know, roll up the sleeves and figure out how to do this where I can afford to shoot it. And so I got one of the slitters for like 25 bucks on eBay. And you can take a roll of any 120 film and go into a dark room and pull it through. And you get eight strips of oh, wow. 24 exposures for what you put a roll of foam pan in there and it's five bucks for eight rolls. Yeah. And, and all of the cartridges, even the ones from blue moon are reloadable. Um, and then I picked up one of these, the, 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 the if you've never seen the uh, developer, the, the developing uh, kit for Minox, it's this Bakelite Art Deco mid-century modern sculpture. He's going to get his. Well, so that's, that's a requirement to develop the film. You have to have that. The well, you don't have to, but it makes it a hell of a lot easier, a lot easier. Okay. because it's got this giant spiral that goes into this canister. They're so tiny. That's, oh, that's hysterical. There's and, and so the center rolls out and you actually take the entire cartridge yeah. and stick it up inside of it and clip it off and then screw it back down. And it pulls the film out of the cartridge. Wow. Uh, Yep, there, there's oh, the, wow. the, the so, genius for the it. listeners. It's it's like it looks like it's smaller than a can of soda. Oh, it is. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, much smaller. This okay. is like one of those mini cans of Coke. But okay. see, it's so ingenious what Anthony's describing because this is where the film goes. It goes you, when, when you wind it in, you twist yeah. this thing it and just, it pulls the film around and around yeah. and around, and then you submerge it, cap it, and then there's a special thermometer that goes into the tank that also is your agitator. So you go like this, ja, 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 with the thermometer, ja, 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 and ja. it circulates <laughs> the developer. I've only done a few rolls. Anthony, have you done a lot of minutes I've, developing? I've done dozens and dozens of oh, rolls wow. with it. Ah, oh, that's exactly. And, and, and the cool thing about it is, because it was designed for spies to be able to do it in the sink at the hotel room, it takes like three tablespoons of developer. Yes. <laughs> you know? oh, so you can, you can literally put like all your developer in a pill bottle. Wow. And uh, and that would be all that you needed to develop your film. It, it's, so, it's it's genius. So one shot of espresso and you're in business. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> hey, we have uh, we have another uh, person join us, Liz Potter. Um, looks like she's <laughs> audio only, but I just wanted to say hi since we can't see her. Good evening. I know. I, I hey, know. Liz. I, uh, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that's Sal, that's sam elliott because my friend said i, th uh, I thought you were gonna sa sound like sam elliott and i was like oh well, i wish so you're in you're in you're in west texas liz i'm in west texas let me see if i can do something with that accidentally <laughs> taking i'm um 
kind of glad I didn't start this from the beginning because spy cameras are something that I've held myself back from on eBay. (laughs) And now I I see the cute little developing tank. I'm like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Now you get the whole setup. Yeah. I can't do it. (laughs) I mean, I tell you, if you get the slitter and you get the developing tank, it's about a dollar a cassette. I know. No, I heard you talking about the 120 and I was like, oh, that sounds so juicy, but no, I, 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 I'm overwhelmed by my cameras already. <laughs> and, and Nick, we didn't get a chance to ask, where are you from, Nick? Uh, I'm north of Seattle on an island uh, in the, you know, very far corner of the, the okay. USA. Yeah. So the United Which States of Canada. On? I'm on Whidbey Island. I know oh, Whidbey cool. Island. I'm very yeah. good friend who lives there. Good for you. Yeah. It's lovely there. Well, I'm from the Northeast originally, but uh, I ended up out here and I'm happy. No, well, you know, yeah. we've been doing this, this podcast, it's, you know, I'm in uh, Indiana here, so it's 9, 16 PM. And, and I thought that this time slot was perfect for people on the West coast. So you're the first West coast person to join. Theo is all, he's, he's in the future. It's, it's afternoon for him. <laughs> it's Tuesday yeah. afternoon for me now. Yeah, it is. It is good for me. I, I'm a uh, part of the homemade camera podcast and we're spread out across the country from East to West and, it's awkward. I'm always the one who has to get up really early. So this is nice. Yeah. <laughs> we had, uh, in one of the, the cocaine and waffles episodes, Johnny sent a link to, uh, Perry G who's in Hong Kong and just said, just join this. Like he didn't tell him at all, like what he was doing. So Perry just jumps in and, uh, uh, Johnny just popped out, but he made a funny joke because it was the first time he'd ever seen Perry, um, <laughs> in the daytime. He's like, Oh my oh, God, I've never so seen funny. you in daylight. <laughs> but he lives. There you are. Hi, it took me a minute to figure it out. I'm not a very high tech person. It's amazing I even made it <laughs> to this call. <laughs> no worries. Sorry, I'm the, in the dark. <laughs> the last thing that I'll say about the Minox is that, you know, there's been a bit of a revival of, of Super 8. And as oh, somebody yeah. who, who also came up through filmmaking, and, you know, I shot 16. And when I hear people that like denigrate the spy cameras because, oh my gosh, you could never get a a print out of a, a minox you know negative and yet they'll spend a hundred dollars for three minutes of super eight yes hundred percent exactly it's a hundred dollars it is yeah. and i just i never understood that because you know I, I mean i think of the great films that have been shot on 16 millimeter i mean just so many great films especially documentaries that have been shot on 16 and if you don't think that you know 16 millimeter looks great projected on a screen, of course you can get an eight and a half by 11 print out of a, right. a, a key of 30 or a Minolta 16. And there's no reason why you couldn't. Um, but I just, I just, I've never understood the, um, the hostility that people have towards these <laughs> cameras because they're really, really cool. If you ever hold one in your hands, they're just, they're, 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 they're it's really seductive. And it's pretty soon you'll get into the, uh, the 35s. I, uh, I, I did a trip across Eastern Europe to document the collapse of the, the Iron Curtain in 1989 and 90. And I took a, a Nikon FM2 and an XA. Um, and the oh. XA crapped out about halfway through the trip. And I ended up getting an, an Agate 18. Uh, but then when I got home, the first thing I did is I called up B&H and got a, uh, um, a Nikon GTE. I mean, I'm not going to, but I'm a, a Minox uh, 35 GTE. And that was 1990. And that wow. camera has seen more frequent miles around the world than any camera I own. And when I go back looking through the negatives, those Minox lenses are so good that 
I could not tell you whether I shot it on my Nikon or the Minox if I just see a, a, a negative that I've not labeled, which I'm kind of bad at. Um, but those cameras, you know, now they can be a little bit finicky. You know, sometimes there, there are some problems with, uh, with the shutter assembly on them. But if you get one that works, it'll work forever. And they're, they're just a real treat to shoot with. I had one in the 70s. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. My next door neighbor, I was in high school. My next door neighbor gave me one and I shot, I ran a few rolls through it and developed oh, them in great. the high school dark room. You know, it was fun. Yeah. Well, Liz, when, when I asked you to come on, there's, there are a couple of cameras that, you know, one that I know that, that at least a few of us share a passion for, uh, and that's the, the Voigtlander Procaro. Um, but I really want to find out what it's like shooting the Noblex and then your new stereo <laughs> camera. But the Noblex is the one that I'm like totally lusting after. I mean, if I, the Noblex? If I had yeah. a way to uh, use my, my uh, COVID check for anything other than propping up my cafe, I would have had a Noblex. Well, that's exactly what made me buy it. I was like laying in bed and I was like, wait, I was I, I can't afford this camera. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, do I really need a new water heater? I mean, no, really? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. And so, But I did. I forced myself to come up with an, a very specific idea to use it before just buying something to take landscapes with. Because landscapes are, uh, that's kind of this whole region is like, it's just everything's landscape. So it's kind of been done to death. So I just stick myself in it and <laughs> it makes a little bit different. <laughs> so, so, that, so that is you in, in those pictures. Um, yes. because they, 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 they're fantastic. How, how do you, how, how do you, sort of position it i mean i i'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to do the maths <laughs> in my head how, how do you actually position a noblex and actually get it um um like a right self-timer yeah with the self-timer but also position yourself in the right place within such a frame uh well i st during the pandemic i did a lot of um pinhole ghost photos where i was putting myself into landscapes and so I think I just kind of got the feel of like where to stand I mean when and when you look through the Noblex the little the viewfinder is actually very accurate so I just kind of and I mean I've actually put like rocks where I need to run and stand <laughs> or so I kind of you know like I tapes. Know. yeah exactly a little x taped on the desert floor <laughs> so yeah it's, and and for, for those who haven't seen Liz's photos, she's down in one of my favorite parts of the country, and it's the Big Bend region of Texas. And the Big Bend National Park is absolutely one of my favorite let's get lost places in the world. Um, and she does stunning landscapes out there, which it, all, it already looks like a, a Roadrunner cartoon. <laughs> it does. It's. I think a lot of people don't understand that this this there's this region of Texas that looks like this. Um I mean, I'm, Texas I'm picturing I'm picturing large boxes of TNT just randomly scattered across the road. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> oh, there's definitely one coyote activity going on pretty much every time I go camping. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's I love it. And once I got it rigged up to do the self timer, it's um, it's not a big hassle anymore. I, it's kind of 
standard operating procedure when I go camping. And you're using like an old Kodak timer? I am. I tried a bunch of different ones. And for some reason, the shutter release, it just, it needs a lot of power to make it go. So I found the pneumatic, is that how you say it? Pneumatic. Um, And that seems to kind of give it enough pow to it's the, the gear it the gear drive one you just screw into the threaded is that what you're talking about the kodak well i've tried those the the ones that you screw in because they're cute and they actually have somewhat of an accurate timing system but yeah. those did those wouldn't work Not i don't know enough. if the needle okay. it just wasn't strong enough so I got you. yeah this one i i have to use a shutter release cable that's short and i put it up on this pole <laughs> i tape it to a pole that goes wow. straight down into the shutter release but cool. it works and yeah <laughs> but and, yeah and you use no... black... oh, sorry. i'm sorry i was gonna say you use black and white it's actually quite interesting it's such a colorful area that you've used monochrome but it's just so effective well that's just me <laughs> i mean i i just <laughs> I just always shot black and white and I think it's because I feel like I have more control over it. I understand it and I'm not, uh, I can come home and develop it and print it and color. I just started developing some color, but I just, I don't, uh, I don't really understand color very much. So I feel like for me, you have more freedom with light with black and white, like if, if you, if you know, you're going to go out, whether it's a sunny day or extremely overcast, you can make black and white work. Whereas like, you know, a lot of color films, once that, that if the sky is overcast, it's like, you might as well just put it away, you know? And I mean, I'm sure a a much more talented and skilled photographer could make do, but it just seems for me, like, I feel like the freedom with black and white that it doesn't really matter what the lighting is. I, I could still make it work. Whereas, you know, with color, exactly. you can't. So, yeah. Exactly. And I, you know, I have all these outfits, like I travel around with all these like dresses and skirts in my <laughs> in my truck. So I can kind of like match it to whatever I'm doing. And I thought if I ever do any of these in color, I don't know what I'm going to do for like <laughs> outfits. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm like, oh no, that's, it's too much to think about, but yeah, the Noblex is really fun to shoot. It's almost like this giant point and shoot. I mean, you have some control over the aperture, but, um, and speed, but it shoots much smoother than you think it's going to. It's a tank. And the Noblex. It looks looks plastic, but yeah, it does. It looks like a much more sturdy version of the the Horizon, the later ones, you know, the because they were all black with the big viewfinder. The the Noblex, though, like because I'm I'm a history geek, too. That's a huge emphasis of of the articles I write. But the Noblex, you know, Noble is Charles Noble, um, you know, and that goes back to to KW, you know, Kinoark Dresden, you know, so they have lineage that far back. Um, Oh, I don't know if you've ever followed up the history on it, but yeah, the Charles no. Noble, uh, I'm, I'm going to geek out if I go too long in this, but basically him and his dad owned uh, KW at, you know, during the war. They were Americans. Uh, the Soviets came along and imprisoned them both. Uh, the younger son was sent to the Gulag. Um, I mean, wow. for real, he actually smuggled out letters taped to the back of mail uh, to family in West Germany, and then they they got 
Dwight Eisenhower involved uh, to reach out to the Soviet Union and say, hey, you have an American citizen in one of your gulags. Um, so they, they pulled some strings and got him out of there. But by the time, you know, he got back to safety, KW was like completely under Soviet, you know, the, the communist control. And he fought and fought and fought. And finally, in the 90s, when the Soviet Union failed, uh, he tried to get the rights back to his father's company, KW, and he was only mildly successful. Um, he got some trademarks. I don't remember the specifics of it, but basically by that point, he's like, well, I want to start making cameras again. And he must've had a thing for panoramas and he created the no black. So while, <laughs> while you can't quite say, yeah, it's a KW camera. It does sort of have that family lineage, which, which always makes it appealing to me. Just, just in time for film to start, you know, struggling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. well, I, I think they, they were in, in pretty good production in like the you know late nineties, early 20th century, I guess. I don't know if they're still made, but yeah, it, it probably was unfortunate timing, you know, that it, he finally was able to come out with a truly cool camera uh, of his, you know, and then digital came along, but yeah, those things are really neat. They're very, I'd, I'm going to have to look that up. My cousin's name is Charles Noble. Really? Wow. Really? That's too funny. <laughs> I mean, he's like, wow. uh, yeah, he's like, Charles was actually the dad. I think John was the son. John's the one who did the, the Noblex. I might have that wrong. I, I have a lot of facts in my head sometimes, but, <laughs> but I'm certain of it. They were, they were both in charge of KW. Uh, they bought the, the factory in 1938, 39 from two Jewish, you know, Austrian, uh, you know, citizens of Germany. And obviously the Nazis were coming. So they were, they just pawned it off on these two Americans who thought it would be cool to own a German camera factory. They came up wow. with the, the Practiflex, the Practica. Uh, and then eventually the Soviets just declared them spies and threw them in, in jail. Um, so it's, it's just, it's a crazy story. Wow. That's cool. Well, you know, the design of the camera is really cool, except the one thing the back of my camera fell off like I was taping it together for a while just because I was refusing to send it in <laughs> to get to get it fixed and um it finally just fell all the way off and I have a friend that's a camera repair guy so I sent it to him and he did it much faster than like a regular repair shop would but it's this tiny little pin that holds this giant back on and it's like I don't understand why the whole rest of the camera is just like seems so well designed and then it's like and here's this tiny little barbie pin that's going to keep the whole giant <laughs> back on. sounds like something nikon would do you know they, they you know for for as good as a lot of their slrs were towards the end there some of their cameras would be they they'd have this great f100 and they'd put a plastic like hinge on it you know where like 90 percent of them are broken uh Stuff from that the 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 jellying rubber covering yeah. which which uh, turns into sticky pretty, glue yeah the, the minolta the minolta alpha 7 i've tried three of them desperate trying to get this, one of these things to work it's it's got this really neat it looks like a digital camera because it's got a huge lcd on the back but the lcd is just a really big display for you know settings of the camera it can show you the different um exposure points you know in programmed mode and all these other neat features but it, it's uh whatever controls the aperture inside the lens mounts made out of plastic and over time, they just become brittle and break. And and almost all of them, um, I know someone's going to hear that and be like, well, I got five of them, you know, but <laughs> a majority of the ones you find, they're broken, you know, because plastic, right. you know, is it gets old, even if it's not abused, it, it'll just get brittle, you know? Yeah. 
So there's Speaking no... of people having five of them, um, Gabe, how's your Rolleiflex collection going, mate? <laughs> what Rolleiflex collection? Um, it's going well. I had to uh, trade one, which was, which was a big event. But Trebly, um, you know, from the dark room, he wanted to trade, and I sent him two of them: the uh, a three point five and a two point eight C, and he uh, loved the two point eight. And I traded for the Leica M5, and which I didn't have. I never had a Leica M5, and I was always curious about them. And it was it's great, but no, I I still have mine. I still use them, um, and uh, I'm get, just inquiring about getting another bright screen, a Maxwell Finder for uh, 3.5 f. That it's just that screen has just faded to where one I of really was one of Rick Olison screens. You know, I tried one of Rick's, and I um, and I liked it, but then the the Maxwell just felt with my eyes, it just it did? Okay. felt stronger for me. But um, I do have one of Rick's on another camera. Yeah, Rick's on another Rolex. Yeah, we actually had Rick on one of the earlier shows. Oh, cool. uh, he's he's a really cool guy. He told the story of how he got those molds, how he started oh, making wow. them. That's so cool. That's cool. Yeah, Nick, were know. you Nick? Were you trying to say something there? Oh well, it was. We're already past that, but I was just going to say that the uh, swing lens is is just an amazing basic type of camera, yeah. and I have a, an, a Kodak Panoram that I need to do a little repair work on, but cool. just turn, turned up in a local uh, thrift shop, and oh, I just got to set, set it up to take 120, and and uh, it's I actually think it's going to be a pretty nice camera, but there's something about that swing lens that yeah. that there's nothing else remotely yeah. like it yet. I got a wide Lux about a year ago. I mm -hmm. nice. never shot with that. And it just was, it just completely changed the way that I saw the world when I would carry this thing. Mm -hmm. Because, and you know, it's interesting, Liz, you were talking about how good the finder on the Noblex is. The finder on the wide Lux is truly terrible. It's actually, <laughs> actually <laughs> like it's better not to look than to trust oh, what this no, camera tells you. Really? So you basically just need to, I mean, <laughs> Jeff Bridges, who of course is the leading exponent of the wide looks these days, just holds it right here. Just holds it to his chest and right. looks at the bubble oh. level because his oh, philosophy right. is it's more important to hold the camera level yeah. to get a good horizon right. than it is to actually frame your <laughs> shot. You know, there's, there's validity in that, you know, cause if you get a crooked horizon, the image is going to look terrible, but yeah, yeah, if you, absolutely. if you nail that, you're probably going to get anything you're pointing the camera at anyway. It's just, you know, so I, I think that's kind of valid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yep. it is so damn cool. I, I went on a road trip, um, last fall to, um, desert center, which is a ghost town in, uh, central California. And uh, they actually shot Robert Altman's film, Three Women, there. Ugh. A really interesting, desolate, very kind of California ghost town. And took a bunch of pictures with the Wide Lux there. And just every shot is just breathtaking. I'm not very good. It's just the combination of that swing lens feel with this very stark landscape. So many vivid, beautiful images out of it. Did you recreate yeah. any of the shots from the film? <laughs> you know, I barely remember the film. I actually have the poster <laughs> for the film, which is widescreen shots, by the way. It's all hand-colored, widescreen, black and white shots. But all I remember about that film is the woman painting the bottom of the swimming pool. That's it. <laughs> all I remember. 
you know, it, it, two things. For, this is the sixth episode of this podcast, and somehow we've managed to talk about panoramic cameras in every single one of oh. them. So <laughs> I, un- come up. they seem to keep coming up, which is fine with me because I love them. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned that with the swing lenses, and, and I love them too. They just give you a look you can't get any other way. And, you know, I had an opportunity to borrow an X-Pan, Hasselblad X-Pan. And, and I mean, I'm not going to shit on the camera, but I, I didn't really like it that much. Like, it was okay. Oh, keep telling me that. No, keep yeah, it was okay. <laughs> it was okay. It is. But I will, I will say this. Whatever nice, like, you, you can actually shoot that one not in panoramic mode. Like, it yeah. just turns into a regular rangefinder. But, like, you're holding a $4,500 body with a $1,000 lens. You know, I had the one I had, the owner loaned me the uh, the correct center darkened filters that are supposed like each one of those filters is like 150 dollars, probably more than that and i just i just i i was happy i it was loaned to me you know not that i could afford something like that anyway but even if i wanted to save my money up for it i i just i don't think it's worth it you know um i just i love the look of the pan the the swing lenses so i converted an rb67 back into a panoram uh panoram Cool for wow. thirty-five millimeter. Yes, forty dollars, and it takes thirty-five yeah. millimeter film, and it goes on yeah. any of any graph lock back, you know. And bam, you're in business. And I it's a little I... bit of a pain because I got to unload it in a dark bag, you know. But other than that, it's it's great. Yeah, I did I... the same thing with my Pentax six by seven. I got the same mm-hmm. forty dollar kit for the six by seven. It's a pain because you got to unload it in a dark bag. But with the forty-five millimeter lens mm-hmm. on the Pentax you are getting exactly the same shot mm-hmm. you would get yeah. out of the X-Pan, which is what I keep telling myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Nick, hey, but you, you don't Nick, need the weirdo filters or any of that stuff. So, right. yeah. Nick, can I get one of those backs for my uh, super graphic? Sure. You can put an RB67 back right on your super graphic. <gasps> oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, you can't. Your super graphics are four by five. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 Anthony was I could see him reaching for his wallet as he was saying that. <laughs> but you could convert you could convert a four by five roll film back, you know, the same way. So yeah. I, I've actually gone somewhere in the middle. Um I've I as everybody probably has heard on the podcast before, I've got the Mamiya seven, which is an absolutely superb camera to actually shoot. And recently I bought, hopefully this will focus, the Mamiya oh, yeah. seven um converter kit so uh, and that one the advantage over that one with what nick's talking about is you don't have to load it in the dark and you can rewind and it comes oh, with a wow. little attachment that rewinds and and you know you can shoot six by seven normally and then you know if you oh. feel like doing panoramas stick in a, a roll of um, 35 millimeter so and, uh, you you get the you get the se- 70, 70 70 millimeter wide by 24 tall about you do you do, okay, and pretty, the, yeah. one of the tricks with that one too is if you actually don't put the the actual frame in there, um, it will actually then shoot sprocket holes as well. Yeah, yeah, panorama. Yeah. Uh, so, um, well, since we've talked about subminiature and we've talked about panorama, <laughs> who here shoots stereo? No, no. So Liz, Liz has, uh, apparently you have a cool stereo camera. I don't know what it is. Honest to God, I have in my mind, but I'm hoping you're going to say it is, but, uh, uh, I mean, it's kind of a piece of junk, but it's fun. It was like 40 bucks on eBay. Okay. Then it's not the one I'm thinking of. (laughs) No, no, it's a, 
I don't know how to say it. Loreo? 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 Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I have I'm no sorry. Idea. Um, somebody on Instagram had a photo that I really liked the look of, so I was immediately on eBay <laughs> looking up the camera. It's a plastic camera. I don't know who makes it. Um, I don't know how old it is, but it's definitely what I would consider a toy camera. Um, yeah, it's a 35 millimeter film that's uh, the frames are split in two. So if I print larger than like a three by five inch, it's <laughs> they're not they're not in focus, but I don't care because they look cool. <laughs> <laughs> so my friend Graham Young just bobs his head and takes two shots. He... <laughs> <laughs> it, it sort of works. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah, you can do it. Well, the reason I bought this one specifically is because I like the way the middle section looks. It has sort of a blurry, dreamy look to it. So it's kind of got like the plastic lens camera look. I don't know. It's just something weird about it. And it was cheap. So I got one. I think I have mine loaded with color right now. I can't remember. I got to I got <laughs> to look this up, but I just met an older Japanese guy who made himself a stereo camera that's absolutely outrageous. Oh wow. He grafted two Minolta rangefinder cameras together as the basis <laughs> for it. I went I went to a I went to a swap meet to get rid of some extra cameras uh, last week and see if I can find this thing and show you a picture of it. It was really crazy. That's I'm always so impressed when I see those homemade stereo cameras oh, or somebody yeah. could just hack two cameras together. It just right. blows me away that Welding. one yeah. people will do it. And I've seen it <laughs> enough times that it, it's clearly doable, you know? Right. Enough. Oh, oh, oh that's God. crazy. What? Okay. Okay. Just to, to describe it, it looks like, well, Mike, which model is that? It looks like that? Photoshop is what it looks right. like. It looks that, like Photoshop. That looks like the, the um, Looks like a Canonet, actually. Yeah, sure yeah, two Canonets, I think. Okay, yeah, that's not a Minolta. Yeah. So it's, it looks like a Canonet QL seventeen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, basically, a whole one with to the side of it just the lens and the viewfinder and rangefinder just grafted to the that's right. Cool. Well, I love the I love the four windshield effect. That yeah, oh, that's I mean, insane. It, from what I can see, <laughs> he's holding up a cell phone screenshot to his webcam through a Zoom call, but. And the guy was holding up his iPad with a picture of this thing he made 40 years ago in Japan. So, you know. Okay. Wow. wow that is neat. I, I, <laughs> really it's, cool. it's not nearly as cool as that, but it is. I actually do have a, a stereo camera review coming up. This is, um, it's an ornament Ooh. stereo bomb. Oh, nice. Um, what's neat about this camera is it uses a format of film called 121, which hasn't been made since like the 20s. And I thought, all right. It's neat. I'll probably <laughs> never get to shoot it until I looked at the spools. And the spools are basically a 120 flange, but the height of 127. So oh, let's wow. see if I can get the back open. So I literally just took some 120. Oh. Now, that's just backing paper. There's no film in here because yeah. I took the back of the camera off. But all I needed to do to shoot it was I have a film flitter that takes a 120 roll and you just put your film in there and you just cut it down to 127 size and then you put it back onto the, the spools that came with the camera. So I was able to shoot whatever size, I think it's like, oh, wow. so it's the heightest of 127. It's essentially a 127 stereo camera, but since I'm using a, 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 the length of 120 is longer than 127. 
So you actually get a slightly longer strip of film. And developing is not a problem either because most like Patterson reels can be can do 127, and right. it's it's literally the exact same uh, like width of it. So this one was pretty neat. Um, so but no, you, I, you want another camera really bad. <laughs> well, I I had uh, you know I've worked with cameras and, or written about photography since I was a teenager, and when I met my wife, her family where with Jeff, where his dad was shooting with the, the Minox, uh, my wife's family had a fleet of David White stereo realists that they took oh, for wow. every single wow. family location. And they shot Kodachrome and they had the uh, the cutter and the viewers, little battery powered wow. light viewers. And wow. every family vacation, they had a shoebox of, of 3D slides of every vacation and they would say oh do you remember when we went to yellowstone <laughs> and they'd bring out the shoebox and we'd all hold up the viewers to our eyes and drop in the slides oh, so cool and i mean it was as if it were as normal as you know <laughs> turning on the television was that you pulled out your stereo realist uh viewer and they're like what do you That's mean great. you don't take stereo pictures of your <laughs> yeah that 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 <laughs> That Japanese guy that made his own camera, uh, he told me that he shot his whole family's, like, raising his kids from beginning to end on that stereo camera. And he has hundreds and hundreds or maybe thousands of images of his family just going about their normal lives. And if you've never seen, like, a a Kodachrome 35-millimeter stereo image, it's not like a Viewmaster, you know? They are luscious. I mean, it's like... It's like absolutely just stunning yep. to, to look at the yeah. colors that you get. Uh, so, of course, I got mine and immediately went out and got one of the old 1890s slide viewers and started just printing <laughs> and, ones. And, 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 you know, doing like Van Dyke prints from mine and trying to like recreate 1890s looking stereoscope effects uh, and never once made a transparency with it. Um, <laughs> but I it's a it's a really it, it just like the the minox it's like a i mean do you know about the david white company i'd always heard that they made bomb sites during the war and that they transitioned from bomb sites to uh to the stereo cameras and if you've ever used a stereo realist it feels like something out of a tank oh wow yeah i've got one I, i'm not sure how it ended up down here in australia but uh i got one and it, it's like it's, it's just like um you're right it's just like a tank um i've got a functioning one so i keep meaning to put some some film through it but uh i haven't quite got around to getting the viewers yet so and it's, and been it's on the back this burner. little crazy people uh rangefinder that's at the bottom of the camera yeah it's, it's, a, yeah. it's along the bottom edge of the camera so you like hold it up above your eye to look oh. the center so the the, focusing uh, earlier i said I'll put that I was hoping Liz would say this is the one she had. Uh, a guy that used to work for David White made, um, they, they were based out of Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin, but he made his own camera called the Contura. Um, most people have never even heard of them before, but they're absolutely gorgeous. I mean, they look like mid-century works of art, uh, you know, like a solid billet. Yeah. So Theo's holding up the stereo realist. And if, if you guys Google the Contura, C-O-N-T-U-R-A stereo camera, it, it looks like a piece of, of art, but they're incredibly rare. Um, really valuable, but supposedly really well-built cameras, you know, right. they're, so they're, they're the, they're like the, 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 I don't know what you'd say, but the, the, the highly desirable ones, I guess. 
Yeah. And I've, I've got a friend in town. She's an artist who uh, um, does a lot of like um, alternative printmaking photography. And she has a functioning Sputnik, which was, a, uh, and because usually you hear about the Sputniks and they were just doorstops. And right. somehow she got one that just, I, I actually ran into her in the supermarket this week and she was just raving about how much fun she's shooting with her Sputnik and she's getting beautiful results out of it. So they, they do exist in a working condition if you can get a little lucky. Yeah, and I've been very, very impressed with the few Soviet-era lenses that I have, and I've been pushing them and, you know, seeing how much they can do, and they're great. Yeah, the Soviet, yeah. a lot of their triplets are are amazingly good. Like, every time I shoot, like, a Smina, if you've never shot a Smina before, they they have the T43 triplet. Um, the Voskhod, which was that crazy, like, sideways camera, has a triplet on it, too. And I tell you, like I look at those images and it's they're they're like I can't believe they they did that with three lens elements. They they seem to have a knack for the simpler designs. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's not to say the, the the better ones weren't good too, but they they really nail like it's you know like in the early 20th century woolen sack triplets were always really good. You know, like the Ciroflex always yeah. has uh, woolen sack lenses. The yeah. Mercury uh, half frame camera, the Bolzy B2. You know, those always had woolen sack lenses. They're great. You know, they are. Yeah, I have a yeah, I have a Zeiss Icon Icoflex with an incredible Novar triplet on it. Yeah, it's, I, I almost like it better than my regular Roloflex. It's just oh amazing. You know, we were going to give that away and now we're not. He's come shaking. <laughs> you, got eBay, you got eBay. Come on. <laughs> it there there. <laughs> there, there are there are a lot of su- subtle differences. You want to read up on them before you jump on uh, <laughs> jump on eBay. Okay, there might be one in my cabinet. Okay, go on. Gabe, did yeah, you there take, might be. Did, yeah. Did, did, did you take a TLR with you to New York? I thought you said maybe you did. Yes, I took it for a trip to New York. It Where'd went you to go? New York. It stayed there. I did. I um, I was in New York for Fashion Week and the Met Gala and shooting a bunch of behind the scenes stuff. And uh, the Rolleiflex, yeah, two point eight E, and it just uh, it stayed in my bag. <laughs> Very hard to use that kind of camera in that condition, in that situation. So it was mostly uh, mostly digital. Yeah, yeah. I see an Icoflex oh, there. Th- those are pretty Hold cameras. Yeah. This one's actually got a, a light meter, which is perfect and absolutely accurate still because it has this little cover that flips up. So that it's the it's never exposed to light except when you need it, and so they don't wear out like the yeah. typical oh, look at this. light meter. <laughs> the Simon Forrester made. A... Okay, so yeah, there. And another thing I like about them is they still have the the wind and the shutter separate, so it's dead easy to make double exposures, like if you want to, or even if you don't want to, it's super easy. We had anyway, this lens really is start, startlingly good with a uh, portrait or film like that. It's amazing. We had an episode a few weeks ago, which we called, um, I created a character called Marie Nikondo. Uh, where I forced him <laughs> yeah. to call his camera collection. And I tried to get him to get rid of his Icoflex, but Simon Forster had just made him that lens cap. So he refused to part with it. Yeah. <laughs> Save Buck. 
Saved by Simon. Yeah, yeah. I, I must say, I must say, Jeff from collectors all over the world. I hated that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Asking people to get rid of their cameras doesn't doesn't sit well. See, <laughs> I know. Yeah, well, actually, more I. Than I do. I was inspired by it, and I got rid of quite a few cameras last weekend, and I don't feel at all bad about it. It's the ones I sold a couple of months ago that I'm regretting. <laughs> it takes yeah, right. a little while. So, right, Jeff, right. Jeff and Gabe, tell us a little bit more about your podcast, I Dream of Cameras. Like, what's, um, like, what, do you have a theme, or is it just you guys? Do you have guests on, or, or how, does it, how do you do it? Take it, Gabe. We sometimes have guests but it's it's really just us you know talking back and forth about cameras which we would do anyway for yeah. an hour straight and we would just keep talking so it's uh you know we try to hit a lot of subjects in in an episode sometimes we'll have a theme we did uh well we try to have a theme every time but you know we mixed like the latest show that's coming out soon is we did an icon show and uh, mix that with my insane adventures at uh, Fashion Week, and uh, and so you know we're we're always talking about you know especially getting rid of the cameras was one that we thought was going to be a very short piece, yeah, <laughs> and we only got to the TLRs of my camera, so it was very uh, it was it's something uh, of a confessional show. Um, really we is. get to take. <laughs> You get to take turns being the priest, so, you know. Yes. Uh, I think, you know, <laughs> Gabe and I are both screenwriters by trade, and we have moved in parallel tracks in our careers over the years. And I had always heard that Gabe was as fanatical about film photography and cameras as I was. And when we finally met, which was not that long ago, we haven't really known each other that long, but when we finally <laughs> did meet and start talking about it, the conversation is still going a year and a half later. Uh, yeah. And I think we learned in the course of doing the podcast, it's interesting, it seems like there was a premeditated idea that we come at cameras and camera collecting from different angles, but we didn't know that at the outset. Yeah. Like I'm extremely compulsive about cameras being beautiful and unmarred and Gabe just wants something great to shoot with that's functional. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have very few cameras and I'm constantly like, culling the herd and getting rid of the ones that I don't use, either giving them as gifts or selling them. And Gabe has 200 cameras. <laughs> okay, all right. I don't have 200, but yes, I have a lot of cameras. How, how many five. people here are, are Gabe? How many people here are Gabe's? <laughs> Come on, Gabe. Hands I'm, up. I'm a Gabe. I'm a Gabe. Gabe. Very few cameras. What does very few cameras mean? Okay. <laughs> okay. I have 45. <laughs> okay. See, for, for, me, for me that would be that would be very few for me 45 would be very mm -hmm. few yeah there i mean i'm go. looking at theo's background here and i'm looking at nick's background i'm looking at mike's background i'm like 45 <laughs> is one shout yeah right. well for, uh, i re i remember 45 I yeah. remember that. <laughs> I remember those days. <laughs> Vlad, Vlad Kern was on last night, and, and not only does he have an impressive collection, but he has an impressive display. And when he first joined on and he had his video, I think it was you, Theo, or somebody asked, is that like a green screen? Like, it's almost so perfect, <laughs> perfectly displayed. He's got LED lighting on every shelf. I mean, it's, it's, it's breathtaking seeing his collection. And it's uh, only Soviet cameras too. It's it. Well, no, remember he has the box of Nikon's under the desk. 
Yeah, but uh, he hides those. He hides that's those. A, yeah. that's a that's a new revelation though. Yeah. No, like you can't really see it, yeah. but I mean my, my shelf is literally just uh two by sixes and cinder blocks. Uh, I went to college door originally. I'm in the basement of my house. This was supposed to be an office until lumber prices and the pandemic skyrocketed. So I just oh, yeah. kind of made this shelf. It's 12 inches deep. So it's hard to see, but everything's 3D. Uh, and it goes um, about two feet off the ground all the way to the ceiling. The bottom is totes. So, um, you know, I have a dehumidifier down here to keep moisture. And it's not a problem actually where I'm at anyway, but. Um, I try to keep my collection. I mean, realistically, you know, I can't shoot all these too often. You know, people talk about a specific <laughs> model and it's like, did you ever get a chance to shoot that camera again? It's like, I want to, but you know, it, it's hard, you know, to do. So I understand the logic of, of, you know, culling the herd and, you know, on occasion I do sell. And usually, you know, once you do get rid of a few, you don't feel too bad uh, until you just find another one. It's like, well, I'll just buy it again. And it's like, well, I probably just shouldn't have sold the first one. So it, it's, uh-uh. I had an unintentional culling of the herd and that uh, about nine years ago, I had a kind of a crazy home invasion robbery and oh. I um, oh. almost got killed and lost oh. all but three of my cameras. Um, oh my God. And the only three cameras that I, I that I had left uh, and then they were only because I had taken them to work uh, were uh, my FM two that I'd bought new in 1983 and uh, the first camera I ever bought. And my dad's uh, Retina Reflex 3 and my Minox 35 GTE, which I had had at work. Uh, but I lost probably two dozen cameras and all of my drives True. and yeah. half of my belongings <laughs> in, in the world. That's where you, you sort of come across the idea of Buddhist non-attachment because I just yes. had to let everything go. Uh, and I didn't touch a camera again for five years. And I was wow. in uh, Berlin at a cacao conference and uh, we were walking through an old section of, of uh, Friedrichstrasse and came across a, a shop called Klickensur. And they had all of these old cameras that they had been restoring from around Eastern Europe. And, and my wife, Janet's like, we should go in there. Maybe you'll find something that you like. And <laughs> found a, uh, a, a Minox B and found um, uh, a Voigtlander. It was a Voigtlander, the Baldus C. And, mm. uh, and she's like, oh, you should just buy them both. And <laughs> the guy behind the counter in his thick German accent is like, your wife just said buy two cameras. <laughs> 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 and uh, so I bought them both and I came home and was just like energized for shooting 35 millimeter for the first time in four or five years yeah. and went online. I was like, I wonder if I can find other old cameras. And I oh, went on boy. and found a, 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 a lot of, of, of five Voigtlander Vitos. There was a, a B oh, wow. and a CL and a Vitamatic, and uh, um, they all worked. And it was like $35 for five cameras. And I went, Oh, I can get into this. And, <laughs> and then I thought, Well, you know, I've got, I've got, you know, for, from work, I have a, um, a digital camera, but I really don't really want to spend the money on a new digital camera and lenses and, and, you know, if I get like a Sony Alpha that's like, you know, three grand, how many cameras can I buy for three grand? <laughs> you can buy a lot of cameras for three grand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let me ask the group here then, for those of us who have large collections, you know, Anthony, you had your stolen. Um, I've heard of other people, you know, been burgled, burgled. Um, but I mean, do you, do you itemize? Do you have a homeowner's insurance policy? I mean, like, do, do you insure your collection? 
Definitely, definitely. Um, yes. it, it's covered in my insurance. And uh, I, I've got a confession here too. I've never, <laughs> ever gotten rid of a camera. Not once. In my life. <laughs> wow. In my life. <laughs> Not that once. Is... I've never sold a camera. I've never given away a camera. Never I've been never... stolen. So yeah. do you so do you itemize like the serial numbers and provide them to your insurance agent? You do? Okay. Yep. So you pay Yeah, like... I do the same thing. So Jeff yeah. yeah. insure, what about you other guys? Yeah. yeah, so it's covered by various insurance. Yes, I would say I'm covered by insurance. It's kind of a complicated thing because I've got a, I'm an artist and I have all kinds of tools and yeah. I'd hate to have to do all the paperwork, but you know, it's covered. Well, and I mean, that's and... something that, that anybody should talk to their insurance agent because insurance is very complicated. But like, if you have, mm-hmm. if you just are a typical homeowner and you have a digital camera and your house gets struck by lightning, you can probably claim a digital camera on a normal homeowner's policy. But you try to tell your agent that you have 45, and I'm doing that with air quotes. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, there's, there's no way, you know, you would be able to get a large collection like that without some other kind of floater or something. So, um, you know, that's the, that's yeah, the, you might, you might, yeah. Well, I, I have commercial insurance, but it's still complicated. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, people, right. I mean, there's, there's, there are people, cause I admit, you know, my normal job is in insurance. Um, there are a lot of people that think that insurance just covers everything and it absolutely does not. Oh, you no. Know? So, you know, whether you have a large collection of stamps, baseball cards, you know, cameras, what have you, um, you know, it's definitely worth speaking to your agent about, um, you know, because, you know, to, ha- to have to lose that socks, you know, and, and I don't even know how you would replace some of the rare and obscure cameras that all of us probably have, but at least it's something's better than nothing. Right. Well, I, I am a gay, but I have uh, something of an ambition to be a Jeff. So I sort of fall in between. I, I don't want this many things because I do want to use them. That's really yeah, why I have cameras. No, I'm not really a collector just to fondle cameras. I, I want to use them. And life's short, you know, and it, there's yeah. sometimes sometimes you can be distracted by a bunch of things that are interesting and it's fascinating, but they're not really making the pictures you want. (laughs) Well, and and, you know, if you're, if you're a collector or collector user, you know, and you strive to get that mint condition, you know, whatever I found, at least in my experience that the mint cameras usually don't work because they, they, they've sat still for decades. It's the heavily brassed worn out Nikon F3s. Right. That you know have, have a dented prism that are most likely very smooth. Mm-hmm. You know, I think yep. just to sort of tag on to what Nick just said, I think if our podcast has a theme, it is subverting that old saw that it doesn't make any difference what camera you shoot with. I think one yeah. of the things we talk about a lot on the show is that different photographic tools bring out different sides of you as a photographer. So if you're shooting with a Olympus XA4, which is kind of a glorified point and shoot, that is gonna be a very different kind of photograph that you take than what you would take with a Pentax six by seven. It's not that one is better or worse than the other, or even that the photographs that you take would be better or worse, but they are gonna be different. And so I think we talk a lot on the show about, it isn't just about piling up treasure and about wanting to have as many different cameras as possible. It's about wanting to have tools that enable you to express different sides of yourself as an artist. And and that's what's so exciting to me about the hobby. 
and I mean, I shoot so many different cameras, you know, sometimes it's hard to remember them all, but like, I honestly, I find validity in what you just said in that cameras that I really, really enjoyed my pictures turn out better. And it's, it's yeah. not that the camera makes the pictures better. It's the camera makes me make the pictures better. Whereas if I'm just going through the motions with, you know, some basic camera, you know, I, I could take pictures of a tree, you know, or a couple rocks, you know, and it's just like, all right, I got some sample pictures for review. But like, I really noticed that the 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 the, the cameras where I really get fantastic shots, th there's a correlation between the ones I like, you know, ones that speak to me. And that, in essence, makes my pictures better. It's not that the camera itself just suddenly makes better pictures, though. Yeah, and try and tell an equestrian that it doesn't matter what horse they ride. I mean, come on, <laughs> Well, yeah. So that's also the that's also the heart of what the homemade camera podcast is all about, right? So we definitely believe that cameras matter, and the reason to take the extra trouble to make one is because there's maybe a camera you want to use that's going to change how you take photographs that doesn't exist. Yeah. Like Great. for instance, a speed a speed graphic that takes system lenses. Like wow, you know that so doesn't. <laughs> what lens? Is that an Amia lens? I can't. This really is sign. That's actually a that's a Pentax six seven lens, but that's it's on I a Mamiya six four. It's on a Mamiya six four five adapter. Okay. So I've got a baby speed graphic that I put a Mamiya six four five bayonet mount on, so I can put pretty much any medium format lens on this thing, and I love cool. press cameras, but now I'm not limited to the old press camera lenses. Right now yeah. I can use. Modern, relatively modern lenses. Anyway, so I see. That's I see the like same same idea. I see like a stainless plate on the front. Does that allow you to change the bayonet? Uh, that's an aluminum plate. I could change the bayonet, but by using Mimia six four five as the basis, there are adapters from Mimia six four five to pretty okay. much any lens right. that I want to use. So that's cool. you know, it that takes care of that. Yeah, there's a couple lenses like I can't use my very favorite lens of all, which is a uh, Nikkor that was made for the uh, uh, Bronica S cameras. So I have a different speed graphic I've set up to take that, you know, but I mean, you it's not, it's not a totally universal camera, but it will take most modern medium format manual focus lenses. So wow. That's cool. It's good. Yeah, Jeff, if I can, you know, to sort of accent what you were saying, you know, when I started buying cameras, uh -oh. again, uh, you're muted. No, can hear when uh when i started buying cameras again um you know i'm as much of a of a photographer historian uh as i am a camera fanatic and for me it was i want to use the tools that my favorite photographers used you yeah. know so it's like the first thing i had to do was get a a, a contacts 2a uh and then i had to get i, I blundered and into the most crazy sale in the world uh ended up getting a uh a complete kit with a, 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 a M3 with well all the original lenses for $500 from a local seller who didn't know what they had. And, <laughs> um, and, you know, then it was just like, Oh, this does take a different picture. I do feel different shooting with this camera. I need to get that medalist that I saw the guy shooting on the deck of the aircraft carrier in world war two. Wait a of second. Course. I need to get a speed graphic. <laughs> and see what it's like, you know? And for, for me, that was the slippery slope was it was a chance using the depressed market on eBay at the time, four years ago, yeah. uh, a chance, uh, you know, not so much to collect cameras, but to collect the experiences, you know, to be able to collect uh, right. 
you know, just like, I really want to know, you know, what did they feel when they, you know, used that Pentax ES to shoot the cover of, of London Calling? London Calling. <laughs> you know? Dude, that's it, where you were going when you said Pentax ES. Exactly. So <laughs> and it does make a difference, you know? I mean, I totally feel, I, I shoot differently with every camera. And it's just like, like right now, my obsession is 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 this little puppy. Uh, Iconta? Yeah, it's my Super Iconta that I just I just uh, had it. It's a 1920 or 39 Super Iconta uh, that um, Serto Six Yurkin just overhauled for me, and you know it's a, it's a Tessar, it's an uncoated Tessar. It just you frame differently, you yeah. compose differently, you you get different effects when you shoot from it. You know, you shoot a portrait with it. It doesn't look like a portrait shot on any other Tessar lens. Um, you know, it's just like that notion that the, that the experience of a camera can completely transform or at least if not transform nudge your shooting into, into being just a little bit different. Uh, that's what, a, that's my collecting obsession, you know? So I don't have, I don't display my cameras. I mean, I got books and CDs around me. I don't have cameras around me uh, because my cameras are all like, in boxes ready to be loaded and shot because for me it's about you know what happens when i pick up that Voigtlander bessa what happens when i pick up the, the super icon and uh you know that to me is like the, the the exciting part about collecting cameras is how it changes the way i see things and that's yeah, the cool part that's great yes i agree you know i mean i'm i'm, I'm, lucky. I'm totally with you or jeff or, or liz have you ever shot with one of these before yeah i haven't oh. really cool is that the super iconta is that what you're talking yeah. about yeah. six by six i have yeah, same one, same thing but yeah it's not working like i need oh. to the, there's something jammed on it but well, i know um, who can fix it jurgen jurgen 140 dollars yeah, he he'll even he does bellows too. If your bellows are rotted, he makes homemade bellows. And, and he, can, he can fix your like Pacaro. bright blue. Like, he, is he the guy that does? Yeah, all the yeah, yeah. I mean, he'll right I mean, he'll do there. he'll do he'll do black too. But yeah, he does colors. Actually, <laughs> bellows aren't hard. I've replaced bellows, um, and I but I didn't make them. I got them from a guy. But you can if you want to save money, you can put them in yourself. The one camera, and I think Anthony knows what I'm talking about, that I would love to replace the bellows on is the Kodak monitor, um, which is their six by nine folding camera. It was, it's essentially like a folding metalist in terms of quality, but it, it, it was made in that era where all Kodak bellows were made out of like paper with cardboard. like a, a, light, a cardboard with yeah. a light proof dust on it. And if you sneeze on it, it pinholes start to appear. You know, you, you cannot, I don't care what anybody tells you. If they tell you that there's no pinholes in it, the second you close it and reopen it, pinholes will appear, you know, and, and it just, yep. it's, it's, it's a good camera, but it is desperate for some leather bellows. Um, yeah. Same with Agfa. Um, you know, you're right. There are a lot of Agfas, but at least you have a chance. I have actually encountered a couple Ansco Agfa cameras that, that are usable. Whereas fifties folding Kodaks, it's like you have a 0% chance. Yeah. You know, it's right. it's really rough, which sucks too, because you know, Kodak did make good cameras. They, you know, they were just a film mm -hmm. first company and you know they, they sold cameras so that more people would buy their film. I you know, I've got <laughs> one of the monitors and, and after putting an entire bottle of liquid latex yeah. on the uh on the bellows and still couldn't get it light tight. Yeah. I just, I just uh, 
literally wrap it in tinfoil. And just, so right. you could paint it, you can get liquid paint and then you can't shut it. Yeah. No, <laughs> it'll, I, I it'll just, harden. Other than that. I just, I just duct tape foil around it mm. and then shoot it. And the lens is fantastic. And like you yeah. said, it's like, it's like a light folding metalist, but yeah. uh, the, the, and from what I've heard, the bellows are, 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 are um, uh, welded on. They are. So they're not easily they're, they're, I think it's rivets. They're riveted, riveted on. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they can oh. be replaced, but you really need to know what you're doing. Yeah. And that's beyond yeah. my ability. Well, the oh, Agfas are pretty much rubber cement. It's not hard. Um, it's a little fiddly, but it's straightforward. Uh, I've got a camera I need to uh, replace the bellows on. It's just in the background here for anybody uh, seeing right here. It's a, um, a Baker and Rouse um, camera from the early 1900s. So it's about 120 wow. years old. Oh, the one on the desk? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. It's 120 years old. But it's an eight by ten, and I'm just afraid that if I get the bellows fixed, I'm going to then be inspired to shoot a new rabbit hole. That's another rabbit hole. I'm not quite sure I want to go down at the moment. <laughs> well, if if anybody wants handmade bellows, there's a an older gentleman in England named Sandeha Lynch who does a really good job, uh, right. and he uses he uses fabric, not leather, uh, but they're really good, and you get uh, different colors and uh, the, and they will fit your camera. So that's good. It's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Liz, have you shot uh four by five or large format? Uh, I have a graphics of some sort that I've shot a few pieces of film on and they're sitting in a developing tank in the bottom <laughs> of my from 2018 or 2019. I can't remember. Well, it's still there, it's, right? They're still there. I just, um, I think 2022 is going to be my four by five year. <laughs> four by five. That was, year. that was, that was 2020. My plague plague year. Uh, I, I got a, 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 um, a Burke and James press camera. And then I found this beautiful super graphic and, uh, and, you know, it's just, it's been a challenge, but it's, uh, you know, developing is a pain in the ass. Uh, you know, if you're used to 35 millimeter, um, but I was, I blundered into just an, an incredible amount of luck and in that I had a good friend who's a, a, um, a tech worker who took a job in, uh, Bucharest. And when he left, he's like, I can't take my film with me. I've got no way to refrigerate it and I don't want to transport it on the plane. And so he gave me like 15 boxes of, of Ektachrome four by five and Portra four by five and Velvia four by five and acros four by five and you hit the I, mother load. I could <laughs> I'm, I'm you know so I, I like force myself every week to go out and shoot at least four shots a week just to to, to learn how to do it and you know when you i mean i hate to say it but when you see those negatives you know you, yeah. you drop that negative onto your i use a epson v700 to scan my four by fives and you you look at those oh my god <laughs> oh, I, I think it was episode four, Anthony, you asked me, you know, to make a recommendation on like a good uh, sub 200 medium format camera. So I'll, I'll throw it back to you or anybody else who wants to answer. What would you recommend for someone who's never shot four by five? Like what's, what's the starting point for someone new to it? Please help me. <laughs> anybody, <laughs> any, any, anybody. I would guess a crown graphic. I mean, I got lucky and that, 
you know, this, 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 this was one of those eBay auctions where they didn't spell it correctly. They like misspelled, uh, Graflex and maybe Gravlox or something like that. I don't know, <laughs> but it was the original gray traveling and it came, you know, it was a little dusty on the inside, but it had, um, this super graphic, which was one of the last of the, uh, the, the Graflex, you know, medium format cameras. Um, but it had like 30 carriers that all had film already loaded in them and it had oh. the flash attachment. So that if I wanted to pay for it, I could sell the flash attachment for a lightsaber. And, uh, um, you know, the, like the difference between shooting the, the, the super and shooting the Burke and James is uh night and day i mean just it's this is a modern camera so you you do like the graphics better than the burke and james is i mean the burke and james is very rudimentary uh it'll do the trick and it was like 110 dollars yeah um but the super man i i just it does rise and fall it does everything that you need it's a you know it's a it's it's made out of aircraft grade aluminum uh it's a really cool camera. Does it ruin the experience of getting a camera like that and using like a 120 roll film back? Is I don't it think sort so. of no? You you still think there's validity in doing it that way? Absolutely. Because that's really been my obstacle. Isn't getting the cameras and it's not even using them. It's that I do not currently have a good method for developing sheet film. You know, I know you can get the Patterson adapters, but they require a three reel tank, which I don't have. Uh, yeah, he's holding up one right there. So they do make ones where you can stick in. You know, it's yeah. got, for anybody who can't see it, it's got like these claws and it kind of grips the four by five sheet, like it's slightly curved and you, you develop it in a normal Patterson tank. So like for me to even shoot a single four by five camera, the cost of entry is quite high because I have to invest in new development equipment. And, and I don't know, I mean, can you even send undeveloped four by five through the mail to the dark room or Dwayne's photo? I mean, will they even do that? Nick, I think your volume. Yes, off. they will. Yes, yes, yes. I'm trying to say yes, they will. But also <laughs> there are there are something cool things. I found some uh, there are old developing tanks that are cube shaped and you can drop single sheets into them. OK. Um, and I have a couple of those that I picked up. But it, you know what? I love shooting roll film on those old cameras. I use roll film backs all the time on much more than I actually shoot 4x5 because I love medium format film. I like all the emulsions you can get. Uh, you just need to use a little bit wider lenses, but they work great. You know. Um, so getting a, a gray flex, uh, you mentioned the crown graphic. What's, what's the difference between a crown and a speed graphic? Okay, so I have my crown graphic is my oldest like most important camera because my dad shot it on his first newspaper job in Lou in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana in the 1950s. Um, he was a newspaper reporter on his first job. He used, he had to carry his own camera when he moved up to the times pick and then he didn't have to take his own pictures anymore. Um, but the thing still works perfectly. Uh, the crown graphic is the most basic of theirs. There are crowns that are, uh, two and a quarter by three and a, uh, two and a quarter by three and a quarter, three by four and four by five. So most of the Graflex cameras come in all three film sizes. And the the thing that sets the crown apart is it doesn't have a, a focal plane shutter. So it depends on using a lens that has its own leaf shutter built leaf into shutter. it. Okay. It makes it lightweight and that's really nice. It also means you can use wider lenses because without the focal plane shutter there, you can get the lens closer to the, uh, film plane. Um, but they all have the graph lock back. They were the inventor of the graph lock back. So you can put 
a huge range of roll film backs on them as well as shooting. Uh, well, let me, let me change that. If you have a pacemaker graphic, which was made in the later era, you can put a big range of roll film backs on them. If you have an older spring back instead of a graph lock back, there are some roll film holders that slide in just the way a film holder does. Um, Cambo made them, I think, or Calumet. I uh, know it was Calumet made them. I'm pretty sure. But anyway, so there are options for shooting roll film on any of the Graflex cameras, but you have to make sure you get the right one for yeah. the back, back you have. Um, but I was going to say, if you want to, if you're a beginner and you want to shoot four by five, you can't do any better than Ethan Moses camera dactyl. The camera Oh, gee, man. This is only takes <laughs> one focal length, right? You have to buy another camera for a different focal length, but it's a helical, built in helical focusing. It's got a ground glass back, spring back, so you can use the Calumet roll film holders or sheet film holders. Wow. It's really easy to use. Something that I really love about it is this big nut here that tightens up. So when you focus the camera on a certain distance, you can lock it at that. It it, it's a great camera for street photography with four by five. I mean, this thing weighs wow. a few ounces. It weighs nothing. Okay. And when and you buy, when you buy it, does it come with the lens and shutter? No, you no. Have you have yourself? to, you have to uh, order the camera that matches the shutter and lens you choose. I got you. So, so, so this one's set up for a 120, uh, 125 millimeter Fujinon, which is a really nice kind of, it's kind of a classic press focal length. It's a little bit, it's similar to a 35 millimeter on, you know, lens yeah. on a 135. Um, and it makes for a compact camera. Yeah, it um, doesn't look that bad. And cool. it's, I mean, you can scale focus it. You don't need, you you don't really need any viewfinder, you know, but a little um, viewfinder okay. up here, spare, just a frame level. is fine, you know. Or you can use ground glass and a tripod if you want to be fussy, but you can also just use this for street shooting. So there's that that freedom that you have with something like a travel wide where you can just carry it around and, yeah. and shoot. Cool. It's really nice. That's yeah. Chroma camera mic one as well. So yeah, I have their I have their small camera, the six seven nine, this thing. Um and I'm I've been working with Steve Lloyd to like, you know, to I'm really happy with this version. Um I like Mamiya six four five. I mean I'm sorry, I like Mamiya Press lenses. Um I like both, but Mamiya Press lenses for homemade cameras because they have a shutter and a helical. Um and this is incredibly uh -huh. complex compact look at that look at how small that is great yeah you know i feel like i say this every week but i mean this hobby is just infinitely fascinating i mean you know talking to you guys you know you could get a Leica expert and just talk for hours and hours about like, as you can talk about Nikons, you can talk about Minox, you can talk about large format, you could talk about stereo panoramas, you know, there's just, there's infinite numbers of ways you could do this hobby. And, and that's, what's so amazing about it, you know, and I, I, I don't, you know, obviously this is my, my, my main hobby, but, you know, I've in the past been into like home theater groups and, um, you know, I, I have a motorcycle. So I used to, you know, be an enthusiast with like, you know, writing groups and stuff like that. And there's jerks in every hobby group that there is, but overwhelmingly it seems like film photography people, I think stick together uh, better than most, you know, I've only rarely have I ever found people who like weren't helpful. Um, you know, so, sometimes you, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, I've, I've had almost unanimous, um, positive. You're laughing, Liz, like you have. I'm sorry. It's well, I, I have I, a very different experience with the really? 
Oh no. Well, but but, but I think he's. I think he's. Yeah. I think he's talking about a specific like hyper nerdy group, not like pe people who love all cameras also love all people. It's the people who are who oh, think oh. one kind of camera is the only good kind that you oh, get in I, trouble with, okay. right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It it has. It's a basically comes down to bigotry. If you're a camera bigot, then you're probably no fun to be with, you know. Right. But if you love them all, hey. You're going to be. Camera you're going to get along with everyone. <laughs> well, okay, but another way to ease into this large format, um, I also I'm I'm lucky in that I've got two cameras. One is the Plavel Machina, the original Machina 3C. Oh my gosh! And, and then is also that the silver uh, one. Uh, yeah, oh. and then also the uh, the Voigtlander Bergheil, which mm -hmm. was Brassai's camera. Oh and wow! They 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 shoot this the small sheet film that. It, it's deceptively almost looks like it could fit in a 120 reel, but it can't. Um, right. Is that is that the six and a half by nine and a half, Nick? Yeah, I have the I don't I have an a Avus, which is the Voigtlander's yeah. like a slightly cheaper version of the Bergheil, and it's it's a little bigger than 120. Right. It's it's sort of halfway to four by five, but it's its own size. It's a metric plate, you know, yeah. size that. But yeah. those are a blast to shoot. They take the 120 back. Uh, when you shoot a 120 back, it's virtually the same size as the sheet film that goes in there. Um, and those cameras, the results that you get from those lenses, the Heliar that's on the Berkheil, I mean, it is oh, wow. Versailles camera. I mean, there's that, that iconic picture of him standing there with the cigarette dangling out of his mouth, with right. this little tiny folding camera. <laughs> it's literally the size of like this Pelican case. It's the size of like, right. a, a, like a paperback book uh, when it's folded up. Yeah, oh, and there's the, that. Mine's got, I've got, I've got the plow bill back that goes right. on to, to either one of the two cameras. Yeah. Uh, and when you shoot 120 roll film in it, I mean, like I said, it's virtually identical in size to the plate film. And, but the quality that you get out of those lenses and the feel and the, and the weirdness of, yep, there it is. The Tiny. Weird, the weirdness of shooting with that camera and the looks that you get from people. <laughs> um, and and it's and, 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 and like, it looks i've never held one like so, on the burkheil yeah. i pop off the back and i put in my ground glass and i focus it and then pop out the glass and pop in the back and pull out the yeah, there it is oh wow um, they are jewels it's just like it's such a art deco masterpiece uh to shoot with um but i mean i think i picked mine up on catawiki for 130 bucks with wow. the heliar lens um and it's such a cool experience and it's like it's like baby steps because right you know That's on one hand it <laughs> is a large format kind of camera but on the other hand it's absolutely a 120 camera with the back on it and uh and it really gets you into that transition into shooting the four by five because the process yeah. is the same right, right. And I want to say the other way to go is to just get some standard thing like a, a Graflex camera or whatever and put a roll film back on it because that'll teach you to use the camera. You get to use normal film, which you're familiar with. Yeah, and once you're comfortable using the camera, then you'll start wanting to put 4x5 on it. Uh, and I, I still really like shooting roll film on my on my Graflexes. Yeah, I have a, this yeah. thing's called an Ica Trona. Ooh. And it's got a, a Rata back to it, but I've never mm -hmm. used it before. So one of these days I will. So I have a real quick question for Gabe, Jeff, uh, and or Nick, since you guys are uh, other podcasters. Um, how do you how do you keep your episodes short? 
uh, we uh, we don't really we don't like somebody bails and then yeah somebody, you know somebody else bails and yeah so uh, so our podcasts are a little strange because Ethan Moses does all the hard work now and he just he's just on the web all the time like you know he's sort of podcasts as part of his daily life so <laughs> you know we're just sort yeah. of piggybacking on that. When we started, I had this foolish idea of keeping these to an hour because I thought that was like a good digestible amount of time. But there's just constant so much good information. I just want to keep going. Yeah, we, I guess we have to take pity on the uh, the poor listeners. Yeah. Uh, Gabe and I, I always actually, work from, we work for, oh, sorry, Liz, go ahead. No, that's okay. I was going to say, I actually need to go. I'm going camping tomorrow. So I kind of need right. to uh, bake bake some stuff and pack. Real quick, Liz, do you have like a website or anything you want to share for people to contact you or, or, or no, is there anything public that you have? Um, I just built my website. It's just lizpotterphotography.com. Okay. All right. Go, I will include a link her to books. It. They're beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I need to get the carnival book. I just keep on forgetting to pull the trigger on it. All right. Well, I'm thanks. not running, but well, thank thanks. you so much. Yeah. Thanks for joining, Liz. It's nice to meet okay. you. Bye. Nice meeting you, guys. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. Uh, I was going to say, Gabe and I always work from an outline. Uh, we, uh, I think because we come from TV, we are accustomed to having to deliver a specific time. Mm -hmm. And we tend to really, we go over an outline and a list of kind of bullet points that we want to hit for each episode. Yeah. We tend to be really focused. And also, um, I edit them so they're tight. I take a lot of ums and air and both of us have a habit of going, a lot to take all those out. <laughs> so I, yeah, I just like it to be pacey and we yeah. try, we actually just delivered episode 19, which is an hour 10, which is long for longest us. Longest one we've but ever done. Our longest one ever. But that's because not only is it the Nikon show, but it's Gabe's incredibly fun recap of covering the Met Gala and fashion week. Awesome. So it was kind of a two big topics in an episode, but we really try to, you know, make it high protein. Yeah, yeah. We, we need a writer. Maybe we need so, a writer. No, we, we used to do that before uh, Ethan came along. Graham and I had tight outlines, and we did tons of editing. Well, actually, Graham did tons of editing. Uh, but Ethan just said, life's too short, you guys. You just have to, like, deal with it. It's live. It's just going to happen. Whatever happens, happens. So and we still have outlines, but it it yeah. isn't as good. We're not producing as good a product, but... It takes up so much less of our time, you know, yes. and th that's valuable. <laughs> yeah. and, that's, and, and I think that with, with my goal of being a little different and having people just jump in without a script can kind of make that hard. But uh, maybe if, you know, we get the hang of it, uh, th there'll be some, some appeal to, to more people. Maybe not. We'll see. You, you could offer prizes, like to people who are succinct and eloquent. You yeah. Can, like, send little prizes. You get yeah. a bonus. You can, you can <laughs> have training a pragmatic. <laughs> All right. Well, so, so, so not for spoilers, but uh, did, did the Nikonos make it into the uh, Nikon episode? You bet it did. All right. Yeah, you bet. It, yes, I think it's coming out like tomorrow. It's going to be out any minute now. We delivered it a couple of days we ago. We were a little late. Yes, was we were a little late. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we listen, there was no way to do a comprehensive survey of Nikon. So it really is just talking about the cameras we have personal experience with. Cool. Uh, I'd, I'd like to thank you for your podcast, by the way. It is a hey. it's a delicious podcast. 
Well, and, and, you know, we talked about, um, you know, having 45 cameras, you know, and and wanting to to add or subtract to that, you know, the more you talk to people, you know, Theo said, I need to get a Helena. Um, So, you know, I I, I found one. Uh, This is the Super Helena with with the larger viewfinder. I figure if I'm going to use a crappy Hong Kong camera, I might as well have a big viewfinder on it. But it's (laughs) going. <laughs> it's in fantastic shape. I mean, it's you can see it's very shiny. So I'm looking forward to, and it's heavy. I'm actually I expect it to be much lighter, but um, you know that and uh, so so that has a kind of a, a negative effect on keeping things small. But um, just wanted to thank you guys for coming, Gabe, Jeff, uh, the I Love Cameras oh, podcast. So maybe any time. Maybe we'll re- yeah, return the favor and, and join one of yours or something like that. Uh, and and you could show us how a script works. <laughs> right. Mike, and the, I also just want to say your site is an unbelievable resource. I yeah, love dealing compliments. We love it. I actually just bought a Canon P, and one of the principal reasons I did was your survey of Canon rangefinders <laughs> on your website. Yeah. I mean, you're, it is such an extraordinary resource. The scans of old articles and stuff that you do, and the way in which you kind of make it a wraparound where it's it, you've clearly done research and you're a really strong writer. It's a great, great website. We and it. I love it's that so you branched great. out into podcasting. It's a logical yeah. extension of the really one good of the, work you're doing. One of my priorities has always been, you know, partially, you know, I, I feel bad, you know, Liz must have had a bad experience with some people before, but having so much positivity and people willing to help and loan me cameras, um, you know, this is kind of like my way of giving back because, you know, we talked about this briefly in last week's episode, a lot of the old timers, the people that experience this stuff firsthand, you know, a lot of them are already gone, but more of them are going to yeah. keep going. And, you know, the guy that I used to get my Kepler's Vault articles from is gone. Uh, a lot of those old magazines you just can't find anymore. So what little I can preserve, you know, maybe at, at some point we'll, we'll, we'll make that stuff available for other people. So, you know, I like doing it. I love the history. I love the stories. I love sharing, um, you know, and then I get to use them too, which is extra cool. Uh, but I, I do appreciate it. Um, but yeah, so uh, we're actually going to be off next week. So we won't have an episode next week, but we'll return in two weeks. Um, we'll include um, some links. Uh, Nick, do you have a, a website or anything you want to share with you? Uh, I put photos up on Flickr under my name, Flickr. Nick Lyle, and I put photos on Instagram under Avi Nick um, now and, and again. And you're the homemade podcast, homemade camera podcast. Homemade that's camera. yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that's with uh, 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 Ethan Moses and Graham Young. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Hey, Mike. Yeah, we uh, have a, a bit of a new addition to the Camerosity uh, brand, and that we now have an Instagram account. It's the camera. It's at Camerosity underscore podcast, and we'll be posting photos of the different cameras that we mentioned during the show. And perhaps some examples of some shots taken with those cameras. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, it's been a blast. And uh, we'll hope to talk to everybody again soon. Take it easy. Thanks. Thanks so much, everyone. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>